What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast. I'm Big Freaking Neil. I'm joined, as always, by my business partner, brain to- twin, best bud, Health Coach Kane. Hey, buddy. What's up, man? I like those one at a time. You like those? With the intensity. Right? It's great. Bring in the heat. Dude, I am fired up for our freaking topic today. Right? Me too. It's it's a, a topic that I have a lot to say about. I believe that you do. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough. liking this podcast thing, man. This is like the most fun I've had in a very long time. And I have a lot of fun on a pretty regular basis. Right. This is still like, I think at this point, if you were like, Hey, you can either go to Disneyland for a day or we could do like podcast weekend. I'd be like, exactly. Disneyland will be there, man. Let's get in the podcast. Let's do it. Let's lay down some podcasts. I really like it too, man. I think one, one piece of feedback that I've gotten consistently that I love is that it's a super positive, gives off a super positive vibe for people. Dude, I hope like so. Like just contagious, positive energy. And I think that's awesome, man. I don't think that we would survive if we got on here and just like bitched and moaned about I don't think so everything in fitness that we didn't like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would be fun to listen to. No. I think. I wouldn't listen to us. Half the people probably just turned off the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, and this is where it turns. All right, cool. This was fun for was, however many episodes. It was, uh, it was a nice ride for a while there. <laughs> really, really great couple months. Thanks, guys. Yeah. No, man, I think that. I think we got a good thing going. I do too. I'm enjoying it a lot. Oh, big time. I kind of feel like we should have started this years ago, years ago. Right. Like back in the goals, gym days. Oh yeah. Like we'd be in the back. You could hear the dryers in the background. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could could hear Ian eating like just plain chicken by the pound. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Peanut butter from the tub. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, I still do that. (laughs) So we used to work with this guy who's now just like a real estate mogul. Mogul? Mogul. Mogul. There it is. It's a hot mogul right now. Hot mogul. Uh, (laughs) And he used to be a trainer with us at Gold's and he would straight up bring a tub of peanut butter with him to work. And I remember it would be like a a good quarter full, maybe mm-hmm. third full. And he would go, yeah, this will be done by the time I get home. I'm just finish it up on my drive. <laughs> and dude, I, I treat peanut butter like ketchup pretty yeah. much. Like it's good on everything. And oh, yeah. still I thought, man, that's a great idea. And I tried that on a weekend one time and I was like, Oh, it's so much peanut butter. <laughs> dude, like the, just the dryness of it after a while. Like, you know, oh, the like, consistency in that quantity is just too much. Yeah. Like, like man, I need like milk or water. I, yeah, or I feel like I would need, <laughs> I would need a solid like eight ounces of water between every single bite at a certain point, you know? Yeah. But, but Hey, you do what you got to do. Hey, you do what you got to do. And the protein leads to, to what we're talking about today. That's true. Do you want to introduce it? Because this is just your freaking bread and butter. I would, I would absolutely love to. Today, we're talking about why strength is absolutely everything. Hey, Neil, can you name one thing in life 
where the quality of that activity or your life as a whole is improved by being weaker instead of stronger. I can think of literally zero things, buddy. And I bet if we took five hours, five weeks, five years to continue thinking, there's not a single thing that's better if you're weaker. No. Nope. Straight up. Let's dive in and talk about the true definition of functional strength, because I get I see a lot currently in the industry there being this distinction between traditional strength training. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a it's almost like a taboo phrase at this point and functional training. Yeah, there's this like big it's inherently superior in some way. Yes. What's your take on that, buddy? I get this a lot, actually. Um, Because I deal with a little bit more general population and corrective exercise people. Right. And they're like, I don't want to be like big and bulky, but I want to be functionally strong. And the thing is, there's no actual definition of functional strength. It is 100% dependent on which functions you perform regularly. Yeah. Functional training for an NFL linebacker is very, very different from functional training for someone who needs to do yard work without back pain. Absolutely. They're both functional. Yeah, they they serve a purpose. Yes, um, but it depends on what you need on a daily basis. Yes, my response to that is always the most functional thing you can be is stronger. Yes, a hundred percent. So thereby, the most functional form of training is the training that makes you the strongest, the most efficiently. Mm-hmm. There is literally nothing, like you said when we opened up. There's nothing in day-to-day life that is not improved just by being a stronger human, just total body being stronger. And that that also increases how resilient you are to injury. Yeah. It vastly decreases your chance of injury, period. Yeah. Um, If you are stronger, you are generally more stable. You can handle higher stressors. You can do all kinds of things if you're thrown into an awkward situation where you have to lift something or catch something in an suboptimal position. Yes. Your strength will make it much easier to do so without hurting yourself. Absolutely. So walk me through these this clientele of yours that's uh, general population, corrective exercise. Is it still strength training? Oh, hell yeah. It is the five or six foundational movements. Yep. And for corrective clients, guys, let me tell you this. Corrective exercise is just targeted strength training. You have a muscle imbalance somewhere. You have a movement pattern problem. It's because something is tight or weak. Yes. And 99.9% of the time, it's because you have a weak muscle somewhere that it shouldn't be. Yeah. You got back pain? Your core is weak, probably. Your glutes are weak, probably. So we do strength training in the areas that need improvement. Your pain goes away. Yeah. It's amazing how that works. Imagine that. But... Push, pull, squat, hinge, lunge, core exercise. Forget it. If you can do all of those with increasing strength over time. Yes. You're you're practically superhuman. Yeah. At that point. You're solid. I mean. The only thing left that will injure you is like acute injuries, like blunt force trauma. (laughs) Like. Right. Things of that nature. It's, It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I have a specific client who, uh, owns a plant nursery and part of her day is just loading plants up onto big trucks. And one of the things she told me after working with me for just a handful of months was before she would have to sort of awkwardly grab the, 
the plants, which are in pots, and just like hoist it with her lower back up onto the truck. Mm-hmm. And it felt like garbage, I'm sure. And after a few months working with me, she is now able to just grab one plant in each hand, put it up on the truck, and her back's feeling great. See, and that's the kind of stuff that's functional strength training. That's functional strength training. And she, I can tell you as a fact that she did not do any crazy, weird Bosu ball, uh, ridiculous Instagram exercises to get that level of strength. It was like you said, push, pull, squat, hinge, lunge, core. That's exactly what she did. Dude, that that's side note on a pet peeve really, really quick because I don't like complaining about things. Yeah. Um, we just talked about that, but <laughs> super positive, podcast. super positive, uh, no type of training is dependent on a piece of equipment. No functional training does not mean Bosu ball or TRX, or you do it on top of one of those circus balls while you juggle seals or anything like that. Right. Like <laughs> functional training doesn't mean dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would, I would go so far as to say that is a less functional form of training because a, at what point in your day-to-day life are you on a unstable surface like that? Mm-hmm. Zero times. Yeah. Unless you're like a like a paddleboarder, like <laughs> like a professional paddleboarder. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess if you're like a snowboarder or something like that. Yeah. Really, really specific. But in general, the upside down Bosu ball does not emulate anything you're going to experience in real life. No. So not only that, but it's also less effective at actually improving strength. Yeah. Therefore it's less functional. Exactly. That's my take on it. it, Every bit you destabilize an exercise, it steals from the amount of maximal strength training that you can do for it. Yes. So with all the stabilizing muscles, all your connective tissues, the complexity of the exercise that comes with destabilizing it from the ground up, you're compromising. Yeah. You're not going to get stronger. You might get better balance, but if you don't have problems with your balance to begin with, what's the point? Right. Yeah. More complicated does not equal more effective. No, not at all. Very rarely. Usually the opposite is true. The simpler the exercise the more bang for your buck you're going to get. Yeah. And there's also a point where you have to look at the risk versus reward. Yeah. Like everyone's seen a YouTube video of someone doing barbell back squats, standing on top of a, like a Swiss ball, those inflatable balls. Yes. That is just about the stupidest thing a person can make another person do. Yes. There is zero benefit to it. It is only dangerous. Right. So why just put your feet on the ground Squat something heavy, get stronger. Exactly. And carry that strength over into everyday activities where you can prevent injury instead of just begging one to happen. Yes. By doing that on top of a ball. And just like you said, by doing that on top of a Swiss ball, you're compromising the actual benefit you're getting to your to your muscles, to your lower body. Like you might get a better core workout out of it if you don't like completely destroy yourself and get a terrible injury. The load you would have to use would be so light that. Yeah. Is it even a challenge? Is it even doing a thing? Yeah. I think a really popular thing right now, which is actually absolutely disgusting is trainers picking exercises like that just to get views and likes and things on the internet. And you know, if trainers want to, shoot videos of themselves doing those things. I don't really care. You're in good shape. You can do challenging things. And 
you can explain the interesting take on your exercise and be like, here's why I did this this way. Yeah. This isn't optimal for everybody. Yeah. That's fine. But what still, you're saying. Still like, stupid, but yeah, fine. <laughs> this may not serve a direct purpose, but it's yeah. a neat thing you can do. Sure. Sure. Uh, but when you have a client go through and do those things and you're like, look how hard this looks. Because something looks hard is not a reason to program it. No. So that's that's my two cents and the only negativity you'll get out of me on, on this <laughs> podcast. Just like everything in your program should have a purpose. And yes. if it's functional strength training that you're going for, it should really relate directly back to your goal or an everyday activity and how it supports you for those things. Yes, exactly. It, you, there should be a good reason why you're doing every single exercise. And there's no good reason to do Swiss ball back squats. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'll even take that all the way down to things like burpees. Yeah. Like burpees. Okay. There are a lot of ways for you to sweat a lot and breathe hard. Yeah. Do we have to do one where you're constantly landing on your wrists, taking all that force on your shoulders, right. probably doing a really crappy push up and hyper extending the hell out of your low back. I mean, I know people who have straight up, acutely injured their shoulders doing an excessive number of burpees. Yeah. I'm like, all right, we can make you do squat jumps and push ups separately. Right. And you will still just gasp for air like a dying fish. But, but <laughs> each one of those things will get trained. Yeah. More you would effectively. Also get a better strength training effect from both of those things. Yes. I agree. 100%. Yeah. It's kind of like, do you really need to snap your shoulders by trying to do muscle ups or should you just do some chin ups and some dips? Yeah. You know, it looks cool. <laughs> it does. It looks cool. And it's hard. And it's Don't hard. Get me wrong. It's, it's impressive. Very difficult. It's impressive. Yeah. Does it serve your goal? Exactly. Is it a movement you will use regularly? Exactly. Which yeah. brings us to like the application of these functional things. Mm. Would you say as a strength coach yeah. that your goal changes the kind of strength training that you do you know it to a small extent but the fact of the matter is all goals are somewhat aligned as far as the strength training goes that's why we're talking about how strength training is literally everything because regardless of your goal those basic movements movement patterns are the backbone of every program. Yeah. You know, um, I would say specifics like rep ranges and number of sets, those types of things will change based on goals. Um, sometimes specific exercise variations, but it's still strength training. It's all very, very similar, whether I'm trying to get bigger or get leaner or just get stronger I'm doing pretty much all of the same things, just with really minor differences. Yeah. What's your take on that? I think that's true as well. Yeah. I think um, regardless of your goal, you should always be trying to get stronger. Yes. Even if your goal is predominantly fat loss, you want to maintain the mass that you have. Yeah. And if you can build a little more while you lose fat, awesome. Yeah. You're just going to look even better, perform even better, sleep even better. Yeah. Like... It's one of those things where body comp goal or not, athletic goal or not, yeah. you need to get stronger at everything. Yeah. It's also super fun. It is way more fun. I mean, like, when you really lean into like, it doesn't even really matter which version of the movement you want to track. Yeah. But like when you see numbers go up, sets go up, reps go up, weight go up. Yes. 
stability even go up on these exercises. It gets a little addictive. Absolutely. It's incredibly motivating. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before. The actual body composition results take such a long time mm-hmm. that having something that you can so easily track, like like increases in performance and strength, is super important, too. Because you'll, I mean, if all you're waiting for is that reflection in the mirror to look leaner, it's going to be a long wait. Yeah. It's going to take some time. Not to mention there is a psychological effect of when you see yourself every day. Yeah. You don't appreciate the incremental progress that happens. Because sure. you can't just remember what you looked like on day one. Right. On day 90. You're comparing day 90 to day 89. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's another piece of that. That's probably an approach for a different episode. Sure. Um, speaking of strength training being everything. Yeah. How does one start a strength training program? Yeah. So if strength is your primary goal, really, if really for any goal, whether it's body composition, performance, there needs to be some type of what's called progressive overload. What that boils down to in a nutshell is uh, you need to be progressing week to week. So one of my personal go-tos just for a strength-based program is starting strength, mm-hmm. which is a very simple approach to progressive overlord, uh, over, overlord. Over, over, progressive overlord, progressive <laughs> overlord. Oops. Oh, I like that. Accidentally. Let's slip my alter ego. Uh, moving on. <laughs> all good. Uh, it's a very leap. That whole part. So your <laughs> secret identity isn't exactly. Got to keep that intact. Uh, progressive overload means that you are incrementally adding something week to week, whether that's pounds on the bar uh, an extra couple reps with starting strength. You're adding five pounds per week, I believe something like that. And then once you hit a point where you're not able to get your reps, you then deload a certain percentage and restart the cycle. Mm-hmm. So it has sort of a built in deload. And the idea is when you hit your first week of needing to deload, uh, once you deload, you're, you're not going to hit that point for, for another little bit. So you're actually going to progress further than you did the last time on the program before you then have to deload. So you'll take one step back to take two or three steps forward. Exactly. The primary takeaway is that you need to have some type of progression in your program. And that goes for really any of these goals we've just talked about, Mm -hmm. because if your goal, even if your goal is just fat loss primarily, and you want to retain the muscle mass you have to actually have muscle definition and actually get leaner as opposed to just lose body fat and muscle um, altogether, then uh, in order to maintain that muscle mass, you also need to progress those exercises to maintain a high enough load to actually keep your muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that those bases of strength training are present no matter what the goal is, honestly. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And uh, it makes it pretty easy to track, especially so for, for folks who specifically want to get stronger. Yeah. Um, I will take whichever lifts they care about. And if they don't know, I'll, I'll assign them a few. Sure. Um, but I'll start in with something as simple as three sets of five reps. Yeah. With a challenging weight. And I'll, I'll usually, when they're first starting, say, I want you to just We'll find a weight where once you hit five reps, you feel like you have one, maybe two good reps left in the yeah. tank. Yeah. And then next week, we try to do three sets of either five reps with a little bit more weight mm-hmm. or three sets of six reps. 
Sure. And progress them week by week that way until just like you said, we have to take a step back. Yeah. And then start the process over again. Yep. I agree with that. I'd like to point out that this means you will do the same things repeatedly. Progressive overload requires repetition. Yes. You will not get stronger at a squat if you only squat once a month and then do different variations of your squat or lunge or switching for lunges or something like that in the yeah. other weeks. Yeah, I agree. Like it's it's not the same thing. So you can't expect the same kind of progress in a given lift. Yeah. I would also say that if you're someone who likes variety, having the variable of progressing in weight is generally enough variety for people because it's a fresh challenge. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you're still squatting, but last week you were squatting 185. This week you're squatting 190. You know what I mean? So it still is variety. It's still a fresh challenge. And with accessory stuff, you can give yourself a little bit more variety, not as big an issue. But those those main movements, they need to stay consistent, right. at least for several weeks at a time. Yeah. And those like accessory movements, just the secondary tertiary movements that you do in the workout. So if you squats your primary, yeah, then I don't know, list a couple auxiliary lifts that you would do after your squat for a squat. So I would probably add a lunge in there. Mm-hmm. So reverse lunges, split squats, yeah, something like that. So you can keep the the strain on each leg even. Yeah, challenge exactly. Even. It is good to have those single leg variations in there. Um, leg press would be mm-hmm. another one. Uh, but yeah, so that those are some variations of auxiliary lifts you can do. But you're still squatting, right? That is not squat a replacement. Still be first, right? Those other things just add some volume. And make sure that you're using both legs evenly. Yeah. And build some more strength in your legs after your more taxing primary lift. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, what is your take on rep ranges? You mentioned sort of the three to five as a good starting place for strength. For strength, for sure. Do you, how much do you change that if, okay, the goal is fat loss? What I'll generally do then is. I like to start with a classic three by 10 Yeah, in those cases um, and get kind of a baseline. Sure. Because you'll need a little bit more muscular endurance. Those workouts were less focused on seeing how many pounds you can put on the bar. Sure. And more focused on increasing your volume over time. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you got to play it by ear a little bit. For a standard program, I do three by 10. Sure. And I do a total body workout for fat loss because it burns more calories that mm-hmm. way. And then next week, maybe hopefully you do a three by 12. Yeah. And then I'll throw a monkey wrench in there. And the week after that, you'll do a four by eight. Mm -hmm. So the weight's a little higher. The volume's Mm -hmm. a little higher, but you get more frequent rest in between. Yeah. And then go back to the three by 10 and then the 12. And it would just, that three week cycle should keep progressing in weight over time. Yeah. And then when you get to a point where it's just like, crap, I can't do this sets and reps. We throw a fourth week into that cycle. That's your deload week. Yeah. And then we're ready to start you over again. So what's your approach? Let's say you get a client who has uh, weight loss goals, but they also have really specific strength-based performance goals. Is there any reason why they can't do the three by five or would you do something different altogether? I would do a three by five for their one primary lift. Yeah. And then I would organize the rest of their workout with supersets or circuits or something like that to get the volume they need for the fat loss after that. Yep. But the 
heaviest, most challenging, or most important lift of the day should always come first when you're freshest. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, using myself as an example, I'm currently prioritizing fat loss right now, Mm -hmm. but I'm... I'm still doing fairly low rep ranges on my main lifts because I want to maintain and even build some strength over the course of the process. As we've already talked about, the primary driver for fat loss is going to be your nutrition. Mm-hmm. That's that's step number one when it comes to the fat loss hi- hierarchy. Uh, but the uh, so yeah, with that with that in place, you're still going to lose body fat even if you're doing a three by five and focusing on strength for those specific lifts. And it is important to do that to keep your strength. Yes. And maintaining the strength you already have requires a lower frequency yeah. of those maximal style lifts than building new strength would. Yes. So it is a little bit easier for you to come in and do a very heavy lift on that for sure a very short number of sets and reps yes. and maintain the strength you have while your other primary goal, your fat loss mm-hmm. continues to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially when I'm in a calorie deficit, like I am now, I'll work up to a couple sets usually at, at, high, at the max level of intensity for the day. And that's about it. And then, yeah, the rest of the workout, like you said, will be more, Higher volume, um, less intensity, and higher rep ranges in general. Yeah, like so. less rest time, yeah. things like that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so strength training, I want to point out on those first sets, never compromise your rest time. Yeah. It's important to your coordination, which trickles down to your injury risk mm-hmm. over time. So make sure that you are well rested in between sets of anything above 85% of your one rep max. Yeah. Um, my go to My go-to rest time for... If let's say you're doing five reps or fewer, mm-hmm. um, five reps is generally considered 85% of your max, your five rep maxes. Um, then my go-to is at least two minutes of rest, at least oh, yeah. 120 seconds bare minimum. Um, if you're somebody who has been training a while and you've got some experience under your belt and the poundage on the bar is going to be up there, then three minutes plus. Yeah. I agree. I always start at two minutes and if it's above 90 percent for some reason which frankly i don't do with my clients very often same um but if they were up around 90 percent, we would be starting at like four minutes of rest in between yeah like it is incredibly taxing for your central nervous system let alone your muscles absolutely so we want you recovered we want you able to focus we want you coordinated so that when you pull again yeah everything is where it should be yeah, the only clients that I'm taking above 90% at any point are powerlifting specific clients. Yeah. And with those clients, I'm typically trying to emulate the amount of rest they're going to get between attempts. Because with powerlifting, you get your three ascending attempts for each lift. And basically the rest of your your weight class, they have to get through them all um, before you're up again. And usually that is about five minutes mm-hmm. in between lifts. So... That just goes to show how much rest you really need when you are at 90% or even more. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah, Good man. Good rules of thumb. Good rules of thumb. I think that pretty clearly summarizes yeah. strength training in a nutshell and why it's awesome and why it's everything. It is everything. It sure All is. All the time. And it is the most fun. It is definitely the most fun. So if you guys want some more coaching on either of these things, you have questions, you want some advice, don't be shy. Hit us up on Instagram in the DMs. Uh, Big freaking Neil is this guy over here. And especially 
if you want powerlifting advice, don't talk to me about it. Talk to Neil. He's the guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not your guy for that, and I'm happy to admit it. If you need corrective exercise, then Health Coach Kane on Instagram is your guy. But like we just talked about, either way, it's strength training. Yeah. Just depends so, on your goal. Yeah. Hit us up. Ask your questions. If you got a lot from this podcast, please share it with your friends. Please let us know how this advice went for you. Like, share, review, leave comments, do all that good stuff wherever it is you listen to this podcast. And that's it today for that's the Big Freaking Health Coach podcast. I'd like to say that was a strong episode. I, w- <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> then we will catch you guys next time. Take it easy. Later, guys. Later, guys.